Hello, my name is Jacob Hyman. Today is January 9th, 2021. I will be reading today Room for Christ, written by Dorothy Day, and published in the Catholic Worker on the 2nd of December, 1945. Summary Meditation on hospitality, that is, seeing Christ in those around us, ministering to others the way Christ ministered and was ministered to, with examples of this from the scriptures encourages all to some form of the privilege of hospitality, not because people remind us of Christ, but because they are Christ. It is no use to say that we are born 2,000 years too late to give room to Christ, nor will those who live at the end of the world have been born too late. Christ is always with us, always asking for room in our hearts. But now it is with the voice of our contemporaries that he speaks with the eyes of store clerks, factory workers, and children that he gazes, with the hands of office workers, slum dwellers, and suburban housewives that he gives. It is with the feet of soldiers and tramps that he walks, and with the heart of anyone in need that he longs for shelter. And giving shelter or food to anyone who asks for it, or needs it, is giving it to Christ. We can do now what those who knew him in the days of his flesh did. I'm sure that the shepherds did not adore and then go away to leave Mary and her child in the stable, but somehow found them room, even though what they had to offer might have been primitive enough. All that the friends of Christ did in his lifetime for him we can do. Peter's mother-in-law hastened to cook a meal for him, and if anything in the Gospels can be inferred, it is surely that she gave the very best she had, with no thought of extravagance. Matthew made a feast for him, and invited the whole town, so that the house was in an uproar of enjoyment, and the straight-laced Pharisees, the good people, were scandalized. So did Zacchaeus, only this time Christ invited himself and sent Zacchaeus home to get things ready. The people of Samaria, despised and isolated, were overjoyed to give him hospitality, and for days he walked and ate and slept among them. And the loveliest of all relationships in Christ's life, after his relationship with his mother, is his friendship with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and the continual hospitality he found with them, for there was always a bed for him there, always a welcome, always a meal. It is a staggering thought that there were once two sisters and a brother, whom Jesus looked on almost as his family, and where he found a second home, where Martha got on with her work, bustling round in her house proud way and Mary simply sat in silence with him. If we hadn't got Christ's own words for it, it would have seemed raving lunacy to believe that if I offer a bed and food and hospitality for Christmas, or any other time for that matter, to some man, woman, or child, I am replaying the part of Lazarus, or Martha, or Mary, and that my guest is Christ. There is nothing to show it, perhaps. There are no halos already glowing around their heads, at least none that human eyes can see. It is not likely that I shall be vouchsafed the vision of Elizabeth of Hungary, who put the leper in her bed, and later, going to tend him, saw no longer the leper's stricken face, but the face of Christ. The part of a pewter claver, who gave a stricken negro his bed, and slept on the floor at his side, is more likely to be ours, for Peter claver never saw anything with his bodily eyes, except the exhausted black faces of the negroes. He had only faith in Christ's own words that these people were Christ. 
and when the negroes he had induced to help him once ran from the room, panic-stricken before the disgusting sight of some sickness, he was astonished. You mustn't go, he said, and you can still hear his surprise that anyone could forget such a truth. You mustn't leave him. It is Christ. Some time ago, I saw the death notice of a sergeant pilot who had been killed on active service. After the usual information, a message was added which, I imagine, is likely to be imitated. It said that anyone who had ever known the dead boy would always be sure of a welcome at his parents' home. So, even now that the war is over, the father and mother will go on taking in strangers for the simple reason that they will be reminded of their dead son by the friends he made. That is rather like the custom that existed among the first generations of Christians, when faith was a bright fire that warmed more than those who kept it burning. In every house then a room was kept ready for any stranger who might ask for shelter. It was even called the stranger's room. And this is not because these people, like the parents of the dead airmen, thought they could trace something of someone they loved in the stranger who used it, not because the man or woman to whom they gave shelter reminded them of Christ, but because plain and simple and stupendous fact, he was Christ. It would be foolish to pretend that it is easy always to remember this. If everyone were holy and handsome, with altar Christus shining in neon lighting from them, it would be easy to see Christ in everyone. If Mary had appeared in Bethlehem clothed, as St. John says, with the sun, a crown of twelve stars on her head, and the moon under her feet, then people would have fought to make room for her. But that was not God's way for her, nor is it Christ's way for himself now when he is disguised under every type of humanity that treads the earth. To see how far one realizes this, it is a good thing to ask honestly what you would do, or have done, when a beggar asked at your house for food. Would you, or did you, give it on an old cracked plate, thinking that was good enough? Do you think that Martha and Mary thought that the old and chipped dish was good for their guest? In Christ's human life, there were always a few who made up for the neglect of the crowd. The shepherds did it, their hurrying to the crib atoned for the people who would flee from Christ. The wise men did it, their journey across the world made up for those who refused to stir one hand's breadth from the routine of their lives to go to Christ. Even the gifts that the wise men brought have in themselves an obscure recompense and atonement for what would follow later in this child's life. For they brought gold, the king's emblem, to make up for the crown of thorns that he would wear. They offered incense, the symbol of praise, to make up for the mockery and the spitting. They gave him myrrh, to heal and soothe, and he was wounded from head to foot and no one bathed his wounds. The women at the foot of the cross did it too, making up for the crowds who stood by and sneered. We can do it too, exactly as they did. We are not born too late. We do it by seeing Christ and serving Christ in friends and strangers, in everyone we come in contact with. While almost no one is unable to give some hospitality or help to others, those for whom it is really impossible are not debarred from giving room to Christ, because to take the simplest of examples, and those they live with or work with is Christ disguised. All our life is bound up with other people. For almost all of us, happiness and unhappiness are conditioned by our relationships with other people. 
What a simplification of life it would be if we forced ourselves to see that everywhere we go is Christ, wearing our socks we have to darn, eating the food we have to cook, laughing with us, silent with us, sleeping with us. All this can be proved, if proof is needed, by the doctrines of the church. We can talk about Christ's mystical body, about the vine and the branches, about the communion of saints, but Christ himself has proved it for us, and no one has to go further than that, for he said that a glass of water given to a beggar was given to him. He made heaven hinge on the way we act towards him in his disguise of commonplace, frail, and ordinary human beings. Did you give me food when I was hungry? Did you give me something to drink when I was thirsty? Did you take me in when I was homeless and a stranger? Did you give me clothes when my own were all rags? Did you come to see me when I was sick or in prison or in trouble? And to those who say aghast that they never had a chance to do such a thing, that they lived 2,000 years too late, he will say again what they had the chance of knowing all their lives, that if these things were done for the very least of his brethren, they were done for him. For a total Christian, the goad of duty is not needed, always prodding him to perform this or that good deed. It is not a duty to help Christ. It is a privilege. Is it likely that Martha and Mary sat back and considered that they had done all that was expected of them? Is it likely that Peter's mother-in-law grudgingly served the chicken she had meant to keep till Sunday because she thought it was her duty? She did it gladly. She would have served ten chickens if she had them. If that is the way they gave hospitality to Christ, it is certain that is the way it should still be given. Not for the sake of humanity, not because it might be Christ who stays with us, comes to see us, takes up our time, not because these people remind us of Christ, as those soldiers and airmen remind the parents of their son, but because they are Christ, asking us to find room for him exactly as he did at the first Christmas.